it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Costas Simicas. If he scores, Liverpool have the cup. It's Simicas. It's another red letter day. The quadruple dream is still alive for Liverpool. Let's face it, this Liverpool season is reaching heights we could never have dreamed of. Two domestic cups in the cabinet and the biggest silverware still to fight for. Wembley again shaking to the Liverpool sound in another penalty shootout win against Chelsea and this team remain on the road to greatness. I'm Steve Hothersall and recovering from more Wembley madness, James Pearce and Simon Hughes on the Red Agenda podcast. We already knew, James, that we were watching greatness, but two trophies confirms um, that this team deserved to be treated up there with the very best. 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think think that's been the the talk, hasn't it, in the last few weeks, that to really cement, I think, their place in that conversation amongst, you know, the the all-time great Liverpool teams, they had to... They had to finish this season with a flourish and for all the, the amazing memories they've given us, you know, you, you have to get over the line and you have to find a way to win when the stakes are incredibly high. And they did that at Wembley again on Saturday and you could see what it meant to everyone. You know, 16 years since Liverpool had last lifted the FA Cup. You know, I think you have to go back to 1992 for the last time they actually won it at, at Wembley Stadium. So yeah, to complete a domestic cup double first time since 2001, you it was... Just incredible scenes and, you know, one day maybe Liverpool will win a final with a bit to spare and we'll be able to sit back and enjoy the latter stages and and bask in the glory of it. But um, it actually makes it all the sweeter, doesn't it, when it comes down to such narrow margins and and the mentality monsters find another way just just to get over the line. Yeah, it doesn't help you journalists. I'd imagine, Si, if you're trying to write your piece about that game... (laughs) And it's left right until the very end. It's a journalist's worst nightmare, I suppose, from a, a spectator's point of view as well. It might have been expected given the narrow margins between these sides throughout the course of the season. Yeah, um, I, I totally expected it to end like that, really. When you think, you know, the, the, the two league games have been very close between the teams as well. Two draws. Um, and I know obviously Chelsea went into the game not in the form that they were in when Liverpool played them in the league or or even when they played them in the in the League Cup final. But um they still got very good players with an excellent manager who, you know, found a way to, to, to play against Liverpool this season and, and obviously got some maybe they might not consider them decent results. Maybe they will look back and think that they needed to win those games to be higher up the league. But I mean I, I would say that they are decent results given the um given the attacking possibilities for Liverpool. Uh, but I was there on Saturday as a spectator. So, yeah, I do sympathise with journalists who are trying to write about that because I've been in that position quite a lot, particularly if you're on deadline and you, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. There's been many occasions when uh, I've had to totally and utterly rewrite everything. I remember one of the 
best ones was when the Liverpool beat Everton in the derby in the last minute winner from um, Sadio Mane and then a few years later with, with Divock Origi you totally have to reassess what you've written on some occasions but anyway I, I, I digress from a spectating point of view it was it was, it was was quite stressful I must admit I find it more stressful watching as a spectator than working sometimes because it, it obviously focuses your mind if you, you've got to actually produce some content I think part of the problem is there were no goals in either of these finals so there's no opportunity to sort of let out any emotions as the game goes on to some degree you know you sort of there's no release of that tension at any point until the very final moments by which time you're, you're physically and mentally exhausted so as you said at the beginning Steve Liverpool never do it the easy way in finals I think the only one that I, I can think of was in 2003 when they won the League Cup Man United and there may be before that even the 1992 FA Cup final, which was a straightforward victory over Sunderland, but every other final since has always been tight and, and nerve-wracking, and, and this was one of them. I thought it was a great game of football between two very good teams, two of the best nil-nil draws I think you ever like to see in finals. Yeah, it was a brilliant game, wasn't it? And End-to-end, so opportunities. And when we look back at this season, James, we'll, we'll look at individuals who've written themselves into folklore and there's an awful lot in the Liverpool side you know it might be Divock Origi in recent seasons we'll get to Jordan Henderson very shortly but the Greek scouser Kostas Simikas who'd have ever thought that he was going to write his name in at such an important juncture in this season yeah just a, a fantastic moment for him wasn't it I think um, you know he's he's impressed everyone Simikas I think um, you know after a, a difficult first season at the club he, he's really kicked on and and shown that he is a, a really impressive deputy to to Andy Robertson and yeah he you know he held his nerve brilliantly didn't he under absolutely immense pressure and you could you could see what it meant to to him what he, you know I think he's been christened the the Greek scousers and he the players absolutely love him he's certainly endeared himself to the fans and he was quite rightly at the absolute heart of those celebrations so um yeah, I think, you know, when you were probably looking beforehand at potential heroes on the day, you wouldn't have had Simbacus down as, as as one of the one of the likely ones. But um yeah, he, he came up came up Trumps. Would you would you have have had him as penalty taker number six, James? Uh I mean I don't know what was number six was, was Jota, wasn't it? So I suppose, you know, it's you know, I, I I think I think Klopp said, didn't he, that he was going around asking for you know, and obviously Simicus stuck his hand up and went down as as number seven, you know, I think again you've got you take your hat off to the the quality of the penalties that Liverpool took. You know, for all the talk about you know shootouts being lotteries and all the rest of it, I don't think it's a massive coincidence that Liverpool have have, have won both of them in in major finals this season because of the amount of work that's gone into it. You know, I remember speaking to the German neuroscientists that Liverpool have been working with, a company called Neuro11, uh, based in Potsdam back in, I think it was October, November time. And they were they were talking then about how, you know, it was typical of Klopp in terms of his always searching for those marginal gains that he'd, he'd look to bring these guys in and the brain training they do. They do and, and, and from Klopp's point of view, it was all about, you know, it was a reaction really last summer to the scrapping of the away goals rule in Europe because Klopp felt that that was bound to lead to a greater possibility of penalty shootouts and anything that he could do to increase the chances, even if it was one or 2%, he wanted to do that. So, you know, all the players have had these individual programs with Euro 11 over the course of the season. It's an ongoing arrangement. And um, yeah, again, you know, it was, you know, obviously the only one to miss was, 
was Sadio Mane. And you know, I felt for him a little bit because, you know, of course, a, a different dynamic there because Edouard Mendy, you know, knows Sadio Mane absolutely inside out from the amount of time they've spent together on international duty. And Klopp actually said he told Mane to to change to go what you know the opposite side to the one he was thinking in the hope that that would, that would outfox Mendy. So Klopp he actually put his hand up and said, well, you know, I'll take the blame for that miss rather than Sadio because I, I told him to, to switch sides. But um, yeah, certainly speaking to Sadio Mane in the mix zone afterwards, he was the, fair to say, he was the most relieved man inside Wembley because, you know, when he stepped up, you're suddenly thinking, wow, this guy's already won AFCON and fired his country to the, the World Cup from the penalty shootouts. Is he gonna? Is he gonna have his, another big moment? Then he must have felt that he was gonna, you know, almost be the full guy in it. But um, you know, well, I'm sure we'll talk about Allison in a minute. But um, Allison absolutely came to the fore, didn't he, with a you know a magnificent save from from that penalty from Mason Mount, and then Simicus uh, did the rest and sparked, I think, some scenes that I don't think anyone there will ever forget. You know, I think I can still smell that that sulfur uh, now with the uh, the amount of red smoke bombs that that, that went off as uh, as Simicus did his victory charge around Wembley. Yeah, so you're expecting Mane to score, aren't you? When Liverpool are in in that position and as James said he's had such a stellar 2022, had all these highs. So there's nothing in your head that says he's going to miss this. And that's what makes that moment excruciating. Well, sorry to contradict you, Steve. I was worried. Were you? <laughs> yeah. Really? Mainly because, obviously, he's come up against Mendy regularly in AFCON. You know, in, 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 I'd imagine they'd have been practising penalty shootouts. So he's coming up against a goalkeeper who knows him well. And I thought it was a great save. So I, as he was going up, I, like there was conversations around us, you know, people saying it. Sort of, what's his record been like in penalties? I, I, was, I was immediately concerned when he stepped up, I thought. I thought he took too long walking up as well, actually. There was a lot of high-fiving and chest-pumping going on with some of the Liverpool players. And I thought, you just got to get there and take it, mate. That, that was like sort of my view. Obviously, I've never been in a penalty shootout in front of 90,000 people with loads of you not? pressure on me. So I, I, I don't know what to do. So listening to me giving advice how to take penalties in this situation is, is pretty pointless, really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how everybody feels about this, but I, I love penalty shootouts generally, despite saying what I've just, just said. I... Whether it's Liverpool or somebody else, you know, people say oh, it's a terrible way to finish a football match. But if the game has been going on for 120 minutes and you can't separate the teams, you know, penalties are a feature of football matches as well. You know, it takes one kick. That's what football is about: kicking a football. You know how you react to that pressure when everybody's watching you. And uh, in in some ways, I think it's actually the purest version of winning a game because you're being judged on your technique and your nerves and how you hold all that together. Uh, so I've never agreed that it is a lottery. I think a lot of planning can go into uh, to put yourself in a position where you're best prepared. I suppose the only thing that you you can't really recreate in any scenario is the live elements of it with the crowd around you and how you react to that. I think that that is the only thing that is different. But I think you can prepare to, to, to know where you're going to put your penalty and which order you're going to put penalty takers in. There was a really interesting thread on, on Twitter by a a guy who'd analysed exactly what Klopp and Tuchel had done before the penalty shootout. And it, it seems to me quite clear that, obviously, Liverpool had decided what they were going to do early on, whereas Tuchel was spending quite a lot of time um, sort of deliberating, it seems, which I, I don't think helps. And it was really interesting for me as well, because I was, I was, my seat was not too far away from where the Liverpool huddle was. 
And you could really see how Jurgen Klopp was really firing the players up, like really, really firing them up. I, I usually think managing those situations calm the players down. You know, everything's going to be okay. But he, he did he did two things. He fired the players up as a collective. You could hear him. I, I could hear him from where I was, really screaming at the players, like reminding them of what what this means. And then one by one, he went round the players. I think he were taking the penalty kicks to almost bring them back down on a level again. So it was really interesting management, I thought. Um, I'd love to know exactly what it was he said and what he was communicating to, to them in, in the two separate situations because I think possibly it did have an impact in it in the end. I mean, obviously Chelsea missed one of the early pens, didn't they? Which I was amazed that Aspilicueta missed because he's such a reliable player. But yeah, uh, I would not change penalty shootouts at all. And it's not just because Liverpool won or Liverpool have got a semi decent record in them I just I just love the you just love them the theater of them I just think it's 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 really exciting hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get to some of the, the big performances in the game. We'll do Allison in a moment. And obviously James has written on him and his influence this season. But let's start with Jordan Henderson because as a captain, he's now the first Liverpool captain to, to lift every major trophy for the side. It, it completed the collection. Where, where should he be viewed or ranked with the greats, James? Oh, well, I think just just the weight of trophies that he's got his hands on, I think, means he has to be in that conversation with, you know, when you're, when you're talking about Steven Gerrard and, and Emily Hughes and... Uh, and Phil Thompson and, you know, the absolute greats, you know, Sunus as well. You know, I spoke to him afterwards, actually, and just, he just said, you know, it just means everything to me to be captain of this club and to be at the helm of this team. And he's such a, a humble, selfless individual that spends so much of his time worrying about other people rather than, than thinking about himself. But I, I thought he was brilliant on the day. I thought for all the talk before the game about, you know, how Liverpool would be hurt by the absence of Fabinho. I thought Henderson, and he, the, other, the thing that really impressed me about him was he kept going and going. I thought in extra time, I thought a lot of the Liverpool team and, and a lot of the Chelsea team, to be fair, looked absolutely out on their knees. Yet I thought Henderson was still going and going and and just set the example that, you know, we we are not letting this get away from us, despite how much we're hurting. And he, you know, he, he said afterwards in, in the interview I did with him that he said, you know, we are feeling the strain. He said, you could see it for yourself, you know, 60 games into this season. You know, we've, we lost Fabinho the other night. We've lost Salah and Van Dijk, thankfully, precautionary. Um, but, you know, issues that you know, are bound to be linked by just the sheer amount of football they played. But he said just the, the character of this team to dig in and fight and scrap 
really came to the fore once again. And, you know, obviously extra special for Henderson as well, because he was the only survivor from, you know, that last FA Cup final against Chelsea in, in 2012. And, you know, when you think where he was then and, you know, and you know what was it only, what, a few months after that, that you had Brendan Rodgers trying to sell him to, to what well, being prepared to sell him to Fulham. And, you know, essentially being told that, you know, to be honest, you know, you can you can go if you want, because we're not too sure about you to where he is now. You know, and, 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 and you know, just the challenge of trying to follow in Steven Gerrard's footsteps. And, you know, I think he's surpassed everyone's wildest expectations in the end. Um, you just know that he is going to be so, so vital to Klopp in these, you know, this dash for the finish now, you know, whatever the last two Premier League games and the, the Champions League final holds. It's a phenomenal story, it really is, isn't it? As as is the James Milner story as well. What ten major honours for him? Really savvy substitution side by Jurgen. What fifteen minutes from the end, put energy in the side. His passing was great. Took the first pen. Yeah, he was absolutely brilliant, Steve. He came on and did exactly what I think the manager wanted him to do. Perhaps it helped a little bit that, as James said there, that the players by that stage that the tempo of the game had dropped a bit, but. That said, I mean, he was right on it, winning tackles, plugging the space where, where Chelsea got quite a bit of joy. That, that sounds like you're being critical of Trent, because I'm not, because I thought Trent had a great game. Uh, but obviously, there's always going to be space on a football pitch when you've got two great teams who instinctively try to, to win the game. I think both teams are trying to win the game. And the, the most joy Chelsea had was down the left. But that, that doesn't mean that Trent played badly. I think sometimes, you know, I think as the game went on, he was getting a bit less cover and that's why he brought Milner on. And, and Milner, I thought, really helped with the defensive side of the game, but helped going forward as well, you know, winning, winning the play high up the pitch, it seemed, quite regularly anyway. So really, really important performance from him. And as you said, Steve took, took the first penalty, which, uh, yeah, I wouldn't like to be in his position. The first and last, it always seemed to be the worst ones, I think, but... um. He's just been brilliant for Liverpool and just reminds us again why, just how important he is for the team. Because in, the, in those big games, you know, big cup finals, when he comes on, he's been very important for Liverpool at certain moments uh, over the last few years. So, excellent. Uh, uh, for me, he was, he was one of the, the best players for Liverpool on, on, in the time that he was on the pitch. James, you could have written about so many players, couldn't you? You could have written about Luis Diaz and the fact he's been... Man of the match in two cup finals, what, just months after joining the football club. But you focused in on Alisson, so if people go on the athletic site now, they'll, they'll see a piece on Alisson. And, and as with most games, he weighed in with a couple of massive stops, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. I thought, you know, he's just this absolutely immense commanding presence, isn't he, at the, at the base of this this team. And when you think, you know, it's actually the, the one-year anniversary today, isn't it, of his dramatic late header against West Brom at the Hawthorns and just amazing to think where Liverpool were at then and where they're at now you know I was obviously it was behind closed doors you know soulless football back then you know when you know I was sat watching it and you know I remember you know at the Hawthorns you sat just behind the dugout really and it was you know John Achterberg it was 95th minute waving Allison forward you know I remember tweeting you know here comes Allison you know absolute last throw of the dice Liverpool are heading for the Europa League. The top four felt like it had gone again. You know, the, you know, the demoralising draw it would have been against a team that had already been relegated. And then Trent Alexander-Arnold swings in that corner and 
forget the fact it was a goalkeeper, one of the best headers you'll ever see anywhere. And just from the euphoria of that moment, and of course, all the emotion that surrounded it from having lost his dad three months earlier and not being able to travel back to South America because of the pandemic. You know, if someone had said to you then that like fast forward a year and we'd be talking about a Liverpool team that had already won both domestic cups and could pull off an unprecedented quadruple, you know, you'd have just laughed. And in that amazing journey that Liverpool have been on, he has been absolutely integral to that. I mean, and I know Kiva did a piece on The Athletic recently about how good he is with one-on-ones and the ridiculous record he's pulled off. And there's been, it's just been so many big go- mo- moments in games this season where he's come to the fore. And that was certainly the case on the weekend. You know, the first half save from Marcus Alonso, you know, so brave, so quick off his line to narrow the angle and save at his feet. And then, you know, the one from Pulisic, second half, again, was... You know, he's he's just so, you know, athletic and the reflexes, you know, which you know, was underlined by the, the penalty save because, you know, there wasn't much wrong with that penalty for Mason Mount. It was just just an incredible piece of goalkeeping that, that put Liverpool on the brink and, and Simicus was able to finish the job off. So, um, yeah, there was some, you know, some of the some of the great scenes afterwards, Alisson was at the heart of because, you know, the, the travelling cop just chanted his name, name over and over again because... As you said, Steve, there's so many heroes. I mean, you know, Diaz quite rightly walked away with the Man of the Match award. You know, you think it's just, it's ridiculous, isn't it? How just, you run out of words really to describe how good he's been in, in this half a season since he joined. You know, that's three electric performances he's delivered in three big games at Wembley. You know, you mentioned Milner's cameo. You know, I thought I thought Matip as well off the bench, his cameo after having coming on for Van Dijk in extra time. You know, and, and Canate, I thought for, you know, you, you think of just how far he's come in the short space of time. So, um, yeah, despite the, the scoreline, it was a, it was a fantastic game. So many strange parallels with the Carabao Cup final in terms of um, it being so entertaining, but without either team being able to, to lay a, the kind of the, the knockout punch in, in 120 minutes. Yeah, weirdly similar. The, the party in the stands looked amazing, Si. I'm, I'm sure you just had the, the most immense time. But it, it was great to be able to sort of see what was going on in the dressing room as well and the LFC TV coverage of the, you know, Jordan leading his own little dance and then all the players singing the different songs together, whether it be the Van Dyke song or, or whatever. But it shows the camaraderie in that squad. It's one of the most solid things about them. They're a unit, aren't they? They're untouchable. Yeah, and I, I think what you see off the pitch is what you see on the pitch as well. I don't think Liverpool would be doing what they're doing now if if it wasn't wasn't like that. And it, it's genuine. I mean, obviously the the celebrations in the dressing rooms, and I know obviously the players know they're being filmed, I suppose, by the club in house channel. But you know that 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 is them being themselves, isn't it? You know that that's them getting back into the, their own private space, I guess. And, at a time when they, they they cannot contain their happiness, and you're really seeing the truth of what it means to be a player when you've just won that moment. Because I, I think about like the the Man City documentary a couple of years ago when uh, the All or Nothing documentary. When I'm always a bit sort of suspicious of some of these some of this content, but you, I think I think you can never fake the dressing room scenes ever. You know Pep Guardiola on in that documentary in the dressing room. He has to act the way he would as a manager, and it's genuine. And I love those scenes. So any insight into dressing room when something's live, when something's just happened, I'm just absolutely fascinated by and just seeing who's doing what and who 
who is leading the celebrations. But it it just seems at Liverpool that everybody everybody does muck in really. I mean, I know Jordan Henderson as the captain was leading the way with his two step dancing, which uh, <laughs> was quite impressive. I must say. All the players just seem overjoyed, but I, I also saw a little bit of restraint as well to some degree because they know they know what's to come, don't they? They know that a week from now, <laughs> you know, there's still a league to play for. I mean, it, it seemed like Man City would would beat West Ham. They didn't beat West Ham, so it does change the whole outlook of the next two games. If Liverpool beat Southampton, City are under pressure on the final day. You know, the, if they were to win the league, the celebrations would be insane I would say and then you've got the Champions League so there's a lot to come yet isn't there so I, I sort of I quite enjoyed seeing Thiago having a, a can of lager and, and sitting back I think he deserved that as well I thought he another excellent performance from him as well I mean he, he I don't want to say turnaround for him because I've always believed he, he's, he's, a, he's a world-class player but he has become crucial for Liverpool now you know everything about him just he's added something that Liverpool didn't have before he arrived and Another excellent performance by him, and you could see in the in the scenes as well just how how significant a, a personality he is in the dressing room. A lot of players seem to gravitate towards him. A lot of experience, added experience, won everything there is to win. And it, it just touches on what James was saying before about like sort of Allison. You sort of look at these players now, and you just you just think you trust them, don't you? You think they will get there eventually. I never had any doubt really that Liverpool even even before. Mane was was running up to take his pen and I was questioning whether he'd score. I still thought he'd win and I think it comes from these big personalities that you see uh, in the dressing room and it's certainly reflected by the way they play on the pitch now. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. A little bit of disappointment that tinged the afternoon. That was that was Mo Salah and Virgil and sort of the injury concerns, James, that went round those lads. Um, obviously, we're learning now that Liverpool are bringing a physiotherapist back, Christopher Rohrbeck. Is that right? Rohrbeck, who's close with a couple of these lads. So what, what's their situation for the next few weeks and what's the influence of this physio returning? I think from Liverpool's perspective, it's just a case of having an extra pair of hands around the place to to complement what they've already got. Because obviously, you know, as we talked about earlier, you know, with 
fatigue kicking in. I think, you know, Jordan Henderson posted on social media in the early hours of Sunday morning, you know, he was in the pool doing his his rehab and, you know, the the players all having physio yesterday. So I think with Robert coming back in on a, I think what, what essentially is a, a very, you know, a short term arrangement is just to just to help out with that because um you know, you, i think you could probably make a strong case for the fact that you know the physios and the, the sports science guys are probably the most important people around the club in the next 10 days or so you know it has been absolutely relentless you know two more big pushes in the premier league left and then a week to prepare for you know the showpiece champions league final against against real madrid so um yeah i think i think with the issues on the weekend they were precautionary rather than anything more serious than that. Certainly when Mo Salah came through the mix zone afterwards, he was asked how he was and, you know, someone said, you know, are you going to be okay for Paris? And he said, oh yeah, of course I will be. All good. He felt a twinge in his groin and I just think you just wouldn't take any risks, would you? You know, that we, we know that the Champions League final is the is the biggest thing, you know, it's the biggest prize you can win in European club football. Why would you possibly gamble at this point, especially with the options that, that Klopp has got on the bench available to him? So, um, and then a similar story with Van Dijk. You know, he, he said he felt a twinge in his knee in the first half, actually, and played on with it. And then it was only, you know, at the end of the 90 minutes that he spoke to Klopp about it. And they just thought, well, you know, you've got Joel Matip there, fresh. And, you know, Joel Matip has been absolutely unbelievable for Liverpool this season. So why why take any chances? So, um, and also, you know, Fabinho was there with the squad and he, he confirmed afterwards as well what Klopp had said on Friday that he'll be he'll be absolutely fine and there's no lingering doubts over him for Paris. So um so yeah, a few scares, but I don't think certainly at the minute and the you know, from the information we've got at the moment, there's nothing too much to worry about. It would just be intriguing to see what kind of team Klopp picks at, at St Mary's on, on Tuesday night because of course the door is still open, isn't it? I think if City I think if City had beaten West Ham I think then you're in the realms of, okay, do you know what? This is gone. You know, maybe not mathematically, but I think it's probably 98% gone. And, you know, and then I think it would be reckless to risk any of your your real key personnel against Southampton. But I think, you know, suddenly that draw, you know, still massive advantage City because, you know, they haven't got to worry about events at Anfield. They just need to beat Villa at home next Sunday. But... I think that does create a bit of a dilemma for Klopp in terms of um, how strong he goes. And I think I think there probably won't be as many changes as there might have been if City had won. So has it changed your perspective on the title race, that draw for City at West Ham? City obviously favourites, but it takes it to the final day, doesn't it? We have seen before in football surprise results on the final day. Teams, great teams reacting differently to, to certain pressures. Happened to, you know, even the great Man United teams a couple of times. Think about Blackburn winning the title in, in 95. You know, Man United messed up on the final day. I just think that, the, obviously, the ingredient of having Steven Gerrard's involvement, it just really excites me. Does it influence anything? Does he does he do anything different, Steven Gerrard? Do we read too much into this? Um, He's obviously... I'm judging him on the performances that Aston Villa have offered against Liverpool twice this season, where... They've obviously tried to stifle Liverpool at Anfield. They, they nearly, I don't want to say got away with it because I, I thought they played well, you know, in terms of what they intended to do. I think they were, they obviously tried to do something similar at Villa Park last week. Though I would say that the quality of the game wasn't quite as good as it was at Anfield. Uh, so I think with City, you, what you need to do is obviously, it sounds really obvious, but you do need to go there with a plan and try and stick to it as religiously as you can. Whatever whatever that plan 
might be. But City never play badly. This is the thing. They, they never, ever play badly. When they've lost this season, it's because a team has stuck to a plan and managed to pick them off on a couple of occasions in that game and the, the forwards have taken the chances. You can try and defend against them for as long as you possibly want. I thought West Ham yesterday nearly got, you know, they nearly got away with it. Did what a lot of teams have done, you know, sort of tried to defend, get the ball forward quickly and expose the gaps in the City's defence. That, I suspect, is what Aston Villa will try to do. You just hope that the, the sort of the scoreline, what you want is for tension to build at the game, one way or another. I think in the, in the last couple of years, when you think about the, the, the City game against Brighton, obviously Brighton scored a goal, and Anfield, the whole atmosphere, just uh, for, for 50 seconds was... It's a 50 seconds I'll never forget, put it that way. But then City equalised so quickly, there was no opportunity for that tension to build. So I think a different what makes it slightly different again is the fact that it's at City as well. I think that sometimes I think it's actually easier playing away from home if you find yourself in that position. Whereas when you're at home and everybody's on top of you, willing you on, a bit like when Liverpool played Chelsea in 2014, it becomes a bit of a burden really, that, that sort of pressure. So you're hoping that Villa can either cling on to a nil-nil scoreline for as long as possible for the pressure to build or by some, I don't want to say miracle, but by some stroke of fortune, take a lead and just put the pressure on City a little bit for a length of time that lets us see how they react to that. They were excellent, I thought, the second half of West Ham yesterday. I mean, they, they, they could have won that game. Uh, West Ham did get a bit lucky in the end, obviously, missing a penalty with, with, with only a few minutes to go, but... At the end of the day, they dropped points, didn't they? So why why should they not drop points again? From a journalistic point of view, I'd say City will still win the league, but there's a chance it's down to one game and how you react to that unique pressure of the final game. I, I, there's a chance. You know, Aston Villa could go there and and do something and having Steven, Steven Gerrard, I'd imagine, will be very keen to to be the man who, who engineers that. Imagine it's one of the great stories, that. I mean, Stevie by some some coincidence gives Liverpool the league title that he was never able to, unfortunately, as a player. I mean, I don't think anybody would be happier on Merseyside than him, would he? I mean, he, he will be absolutely desperate to, to, to try and get a result there. There's, there's no doubt about that. It would be one of the greatest stories, wouldn't it? Let, let's just finish the pod, James, with something you alluded to before. I mean, given the ecstasy of the two wins and the two cup finals that we've had, it's mad to think that the best could be yet to come. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, it's just been a season like no other, hasn't it? With you know the the amazing momentum that's that's been built up pretty much from from January onwards, and you know during a period where there's been so much at stake, so much riding on every single game, you, you just have to stand back and admire what this staff and this group of players have have done, and the memories that they've they've given us, and you know you you just you just hope there's a bit left in the tank to keep on going and going because of course you know they they can't control you know that it's not in their hands what happens in the title race it, you know when you think back to January and that 14 point gap you know if anyone had said then win at Southampton in your penultimate game and you're and you're taking it down to the wire then anyone anyone would have bitten your hand off for that wouldn't they you know just to have a chance of still winning the title on the final day as Simon said you know Anfield will be absolutely rocking and you've got you know the delicious narratives there of you know, Stephen Gerrard couldn't you know it was the one prize that eluded him during his you know illustrious Liverpool career but could he end up you know winning Liverpool the title 
years later and you've got you know Coutinho and Danny Ings and do you know what watching that you know some of that game yesterday you know you, and the and the gaps that Jared Bowen was able to exploit you know I, I, I and you think the, the problems that Danny Ings caused Liverpool you know and Villa do have pace on the counter-attack I, I don't it, it's still possible Liverpool just have to take care of business at Southampton and that that's not going to be straightforward especially with you know the when you think just the, the, the fatigue factor and everything else and you know, again, we're going to be talking about, you know, fringe players stepping up and needing to deliver. I'm sure we'll see, you know, people like James Milner start and Divock Origi and Firmino and Matip and Gomez and probably Simicus. But, you know, you, you, you just have to embrace it and enjoy it because it's been an incredible ride. And when you think, you know, surpassed everyone's expectations and whatever the next week holds, you know, you, you dust yourselves off and you prepare yourself for a a Champions League final in Paris, which is, you know, the absolute perfect way to to finish what has, you know, just been a season that no, no matter what the final twist is, you know, I, I think we will look back on this and think, you know, what a time this was to be alive. It's mad, isn't it? More of that ride to come. My thanks as always to uh, to James and Cy. There's some great stuff the lads have written on the site at the moment. And don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all the articles on Liverpool, everything else, if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. There's a special price of just a pound a month for six months right now. That's at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Many thanks for listening to The Red Agenda. Red Agenda.